This podcast comes to you from nerdsthegeek.com. Everybody and welcome back to another Nerds the Geek special presentation. Joel and Tim's countdown to party down. Are, Are we, we having, having fun, fun yet? I'm having fun. I'm continuing to have fun. It's Joel Tyree Lewis here with my esteemed co-host, the Tim Gerard. Hello. We are here to discuss season two of Party Down in preparation for the February 24th release of season three of this beloved cult classic series. God, I sound like a professional, like I do this. What is that? What is that? <laughs> Listeners, please be advised. I am not that good. <laughs> um, I am that cheesy at this, and I'm leaning into it today. Um, so we're into season two. We're going to do season two, episodes one through five. Then we're going to take a short break. Listeners, you won't know the difference. It'll be a separate episode. And then we'll talk six through nine, nice and then we will watch the finale of season two live as a commentary track for y'all so without further ado let's get right in to season two episode one <laughs> jackal onassis <laughs> backstage party <laughs> first of all i love the whole like jackal onassis as being like how can we do like marilyn manson but not you know like <laughs> I didn't even connect it to like the Kennedy's aristocracy. Ah, that's so good. Of course, it's that's why it's Jackie Onassis. <laughs> Jackal Onassis, just from a. Oh, it's such a good joke. Anyway, <laughs> Tim, do you want to take the lead on this one? I, my my notes are all over the place on yeah. <laughs> So, so like, I don't know, true to, true to, I feel like most season two, episode one, you know, true to form, you know, we kind of have this after, you know, season one ended kind of with shaking a bunch of stuff up. We start this with kind of the new, new status quo, right? We knew, we knew Casey left at the end of the last season. Well, real um, quick. I yeah. had forgotten the context. Sorry. Last, last season that Henry had begged her to beg him to stay. And then she left. I forgot that that was like the episode, sorry, the penultimate context to the finale was, hey, I'd really like you to say, even though Henry kind of dragged it out of her. That was like kind of a, mm -hmm. a, a thing. But I, I was watching this second season, like to start, I was like, oh, right. That, that's the jump between those two uh, episodes. Sorry. <laughs> Just yeah. and, and the cruise, I think she mentions the cruise was nine months. So we kind of get a nice timeline as far as like, okay, it's been at least, or I guess we don't know that until we see Casey come back. Right. You know, so we know that some time has passed when we see that she's back. It's like, Oh, her cruise of nine months must be done. So, okay. That gives us a sense about that about nine months have passed. Um, and uh, yeah. And we, we, and I mean, I guess to be fair too, the difference between, you know, her asking him to stay and not to go back and live with his parents you know, in this case, it's kind of like, you know, this is this is her pursuing her dream. I feel like right. him asking her to stay would have been a whole different. It, it was a different today. kind of ask for yeah. sure. That that I was thinking that too. That like, yeah, it, that's to please come here and continue to have fun and don't give up and go to home to your parents is different from please don't take this job. It would be really good for your career and you get to do right. the thing you love to do. Like that, those are two wildly different things but a lot to handle in that close yeah. of proximity. Yeah. And and that's part of it too. Like seeing that happen, like it, the, you know, the way I kind of look at it is it was sad, but I get it, you know, right. like, you know, and I think that was kind of Henry's thing too, is like, I think that's why he, I don't think he does ask her to stay. I think he's more just shocked by the whole thing and how she has to leave early that night and go pack right. and leave. And that's it. You know, like, I think that's kind of what made it really, really <laughs> shitty, but yeah, like what? What can you do? Be like, oh well, I'm I'm not moving in with my parents for you. You should miss out on this cruise for me, kind of thing. 
Um, which is, I think, why part of why when she comes back, like, I mean, he's awkward, but like, you know, he's kind of like, okay, yeah, she's coming back. I know about it. And he's trying to deal with that. But he's not like, oh, F that B. You know, it's it's like, yeah, like, okay, like you got to do your thing, but I was still hurt by it, you know, and and um you can also tell and, he's like more invested in the job. Like he is oh he, yeah, he's in charge he's, he's and he's fun. responsible. Yeah. And <laughs> like I not to jump into it, but like the the sorry, I I had you introduce it, but I was thinking like one of the dynamics of this season is when Henry's in charge, nothing's on fire. Mm. Really? It's so chaotic because Ron is a shit show. <laughs> like the tone of this is very relaxed. I feel like it's because Henry is like taking the reins and he's just better at handling things. And it, it like, it's a different dynamic. I, I yeah. feel. Well, and, and it's, it's, I forget what episode it is, but at one point I think Ron is telling Henry like, Oh, like you can't try to be friends with them, you know, type of thing. Yeah. And not that he was trying to be friends with him, but I feel like Ron definitely had this sense of, I need to establish dominance as yes. the boss to make myself feel important. Whereas with Henry, it was like, I have a job to do. I have to do the job. You know, it's my job to tell you all what to do. It's your job to do it. But I think, I don't think Henry was, you know, filling some personal void by being the the, the shift manager or whatever, or the team manager, or whatever it's called, you know, but yeah, I, I do like when they have that moment where he's like talking to them about acting more professional and everyone's kind of like giggling. So it's just like, oh yeah, you sound like Ron now, but like, but even when he's saying it, it is coming, I think more from a place of like, you know, like things are starting to not work the way they're supposed to, mm. as opposed to like, hey, I told you to do something. I want you to do it because I told you to do it, you know, kind of thing, which, which I feel like is more of Ron's vibe. But yeah, I feel like he's definitely a more chill boss and like, you know, not not as angry. And I think that's the thing, too. Yeah, like like when when you see someone doing something they're not supposed to and Henry has to talk to them about it, it's more because if you keep doing that thing, I'm going to hear about it from the people who hired us. And then I'm going to have to come down on you because of that. Whereas with 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 Ron, it was more personal, like, you know, hey, I told you not to use your phone and you're using your phone, you know, like right. that kind of thing. Um, there's a there's a cloying difference to it, too, like mm -hmm. that, like because Ron was like so desperate for validation in it, too. Yeah. And it was like he was he kept pointing at the structure like this is how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to follow the rules. You're supposed to be in line like yeah. I want you like it's, it's such a different philosophy where Henry's like, I get it. Like none of us want to be here, but we're here and we get paid. So let's just like do it. Let's do yeah. the thing and mm -hmm. we'll get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I also love, so we have like um, uh, Lydia returns in this one, Maggie Mullally's character. Um, we get to hear about her ex-husband, Ed, which kind of becomes like we get, we, we hear a little more about him throughout the season. So that's kind of fun where it's like, you know, um, and we also hear about her her daughter, um, Escapade, Escapade. <laughs> which I think we, we already actually. Oh, that's what I wanted to say too. I I have I have not seen anything from season three except for the the trailers that have kind of shown up. Uh -huh. My my uh, my prediction for season three is that Escapade actually makes it because like in oh the it's Escapade. I think so. Because in the season you see like where Megan Mullally's there, but she's not working with them, so uh -huh. I think she must have hired them. So I think there's some party for escapade or something like that where escapades made it big and that's how she kind of has money because yeah she's kind of talking to them about them all coming together that one where kyle like no it sucks you know it's like oh it must be great to be back together like in the in the preview so i think that's that's sort of my prediction is what's going to bring them back together is i think you know megan mullally wants to hire them for this big party for escapade and now that she's made it and stuff like that so I still want my right? <laughs> what I would like most. Each episode, a different cast member is famous and ends up getting party down to cater it. And so, like, everybody's oh. at a different level on like the wheel of fortune. Like, everybody goes through it, everybody's doing well, everybody gets to suffer at the hands of their former uh, uh, colleagues. That That's, I don't, I'm pretty sure that's not how it goes. But that that would be <laughs> that's that's the fanfic in my heart yeah. about it. Yeah, that would no, that would be super fun. I like that idea. That's great. I love that on the phone Lydia goes, 
study the Hannah Montanas and then go to bed <laughs> on the phone to ask Like, study the Hannah Montana. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I, mean, I think my favorite thing about this episode is the the whole Prince and the Pauper that they do. Yeah, they Jackal, really... Onassis, and Roman. <laughs> yeah. And and I love I love the guy. I, I don't know the actor's name, but like he was one of the creepy brothers from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was also on Psych for a while. I forget who he played on, on the the show Psych, but he was yeah. He's like I feel like most of the time he's a creep when he's playing. And um and yeah, so like it was it was so cool to see that switch. And then like <laughs> I also wrote down I want to be called Dennis. Like he wanted to have <laughs> a, this regular name. I want to be a real regular guy doing a regular job. And I want. Dennis to be my name <laughs> it's so great because like he he enjoys it he thoroughly gets to enjoy that and I don't think we ever get that from that that storyline usually it's like they're both miserable I feel like is the mm-hmm. the moralistic way or this most satisfying way but it was like really cool to just see him like yeah this is awesome like he's like enjoying the gossip and like yep. <laughs> he's like fueling it too like it just, it, it's really cool like I I like that that was such a cool thing to see. I don't know that I've seen that in another show is, is that dynamic. And it's just great to see again, like Roman is, is gets the, sh- the things that the sh- <laughs> kickery earns it. Like it, he just, he does not get to, to succeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, who he is. Like, even when he's kind of given this thing, that's supposed to be like the keys to the kingdom, you know, it's like, he's still, you know, still can't close he still f***s it up somehow you know and like i like when he even has that talk it's like oh you have to like yeah you have to not want it you know and that type of thing and you know and and then he i feel like he actively tries to you know act like he doesn't want it but it's just like yeah i feel like in a lot of ways that was kind of what kyle was also trying to teach him too was just to kind of like kind of be be kind of chill and aloof you know and kind of let them come to you and it's like you know, I think he just feels like, oh, okay, I have the makeup on now. I could just go after them. And but I love, I love, <laughs> this was, and I, I, I'm sorry that this has become a theme of this podcast, but like comparing things to The Office. Yeah. But I like when, when That's he been signs my favorite the girl's, thing about yeah, it. <laughs> when he signs the girl's boobs with his own name. Uh-huh. It reminded me of how like the scene where uh, Meredith has the her pelvis broken. Yeah. He signs, <laughs> and he signs John Krasinski <laughs> instead of Jim <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Ron is gross in this one. Yeah. Like the mode of Ron in the second season is a very, he's, he's like, what is that? He's greasy. Mm -hmm. He's like wet and greasy (laughs) with the hair. Like I think in the second episode, I think, I think the look that he was going for was like half baked Fabio because the hair is like mid length. And the shirts are kind of like loose around. Like he's definitely mm-hmm. going for like a, a certain model of a certain era, <laughs> but it's a little undercooked and he just looks still wet and just gross. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's more of like a slouch to him whereas I feel like his whole thing. And, you know, in the first season is like very upright, very kind of tall and broad and big and, you know, like, and it's just kind of more like, frumpy you know somehow yeah <laughs> and he f***ed it up he, he lost the super crackers six months he only had it for six months <laughs> and then he's in like this awful relationship and you kind of are re- recalling what what he and uh, uh constance were talking about it's like yeah this guy is not not a person in a relationship he, he just kind of follows around like a puppy dog yeah and it it's not great <laughs> Lydia's hilarious also like yeah. that, that that mom energy also mm-hmm. she's like a civilian civilian like when we get like right, yeah. when we get to the football episode like it's a different dynamic because she finally understands where she is and can navigate mm-hmm. it really effectively whereas everything else she's kind of like <laughs> they like plucked her from from uh, uh grover's corners or something like she's just mm-hmm. like <laughs> she's like handling it all really well but not really well and she's a sharer like she's oversharing to uh, uh casey the second she's there <laughs> like <laughs> and then the hip thing it's yeah. like the signal she's like give me the sign if you need me to come and rescue you yeah and she's <laughs> like i've never done that in my life and she's, like, and just... she's just doing that and she's like no not the signal <laughs> <laughs> and i guess the other thing that like 
it's a different pacing. I think I think the episodes in the first season are much faster paced, and there's more mm-hmm. things going wrong. It's more chaotic, mm-hmm. and I think there becomes it, there's more space in the show in the second season. I think, and uh, like one of the re- like the ending moment of this is Henry got the autograph for Ron's girlfriend. Mm. Like, so we start to kind of see like, no, they were actually friends. And I don't think we got that from the previous season. It was just kind of that dynamic made it so, and I guess maybe that's the thing is like Ron in charge wouldn't hearken back to them being friends because of that hierarchy. Right. But maybe because Henry's in charge and he can feel that like, that's okay as like a professional thing to still have this friendship with him. So I thought that that's a cool like lighter note. And it's also like mm-hmm. when Casey coming back, it's awkward, but like they they start to get into their shtick again. Yeah. And it it it's not as hard as it feels. And it like it like Henry seems to have moved on to a certain extent. Obviously, we kind of see that crumple spoilers, spoilers, everybody. <laughs> the thing we want to happen. And I think that's the other thing is like we start to root for them in this season a bit more, I think. And the last one is like really kind of electric and and nebulous and kind of it fun, but I feel like in this one it's like oh it's starting to be like really like feelings if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Well, yeah, like I mean the fact that like them going through this kind of ordeal by you know at least like having that con- confirmation, but then being like torn apart, you know. So it's like okay, there's there's stuff left unresolved, you know, and you kind of want. You know, whereas like, yeah, if it was just a fling, then it wouldn't have mattered, you know, but right. like you see that there's, you know, there's still more if he's kind of, if it's still kind of there in his mind enough that when she comes back, it's like, ooh, okay. You know, again, he's he's trying to be professional and kind of, you know, hold that out, but he's he's obviously not like super resentful of her, you know, again, like he was, he was hurt and sad. And I think that's understandable. And like, you know, we, you know, he's, he's with Uda, but you kind of, yeah, you definitely get that sense of like, okay, like seeing the way their relationship started with the way she asked him out, like, you know, this is how, how well is this actually going to go, you know, long-term. And, um, and we, we see more of, we hear more about that um, later on. I think is I think in episode three, we hear a little bit about, you know, their relationship, but, but yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, it, yeah, it was neat. It was kind of going from this workplace hookup to like, oh, this could actually grow into like a mature relationship, you know, and, Okay, so episode two, the return of J.K. Simmons. <laughs> it's such a bit. We'll we'll get to that. Hang on, I'll introduce the episode. It's episode two, Precious Lights Preschool Auction. There is just the tirade to end all tirades. Like we are farmers. Bum 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 bum. Again, in this episode, we'll get to it. I really liked in this that you Casey starts to do like the pranking needling thing to Henry with the tip jar mm-hmm. thing, like it, it, that switch and how playful it is and how like it, that's really them kind of getting back to like a dynamic that's comfortable and they're actually friends. And I thought that was so cool to see is like, mm-hmm. she's excited to have something to bug him with and to be, to have yeah. Ron as an ally who's doing it to, for whatever deluded psycho like i not psychos like not the right language but just like it it's hard to watch (laughs) like he's just so Mm self-righteous and so arrogant like he was this perfect manager and or team leader it's like no you fucking weren't man <laughs> you either vomited. I just love that part too. Like, oh, can I, can like every other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just I I love how how Ken Marino like always finds new ways to make that character yeah. awkward. It's like a whole different gear. Like, that, like that's the thing is like we and it's just like yeah like no matter what you're just like uncomfortable to be around him <laughs> you know like through his various. Well, that's the thing we're seeing him as he would like to be. So with the car, with the girlfriend, mm. calling her lady friend. Oh, <laughs> just gross. And then like the hair and the aesthetic, like it's all his choice. And it's so funny to see how how it oscillates from that and then new new Ron, who we will meet later. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> so stupid, this character. <laughs> 
Uncanny X-Men yeah. number four. I thought that was sort of like a fun nerdy thing to kind of, you know, really kind of have like, you know, the comic collector in us to you know, be like, oh, oh man, like, you know, making that something that like, you know, I feel like that's probably the most excited we've seen Roman up yeah. till this point. You know, I mean, later we see him more excited when he meets one of his sort of idols, but like, you know, um, you know, seeing something that like, oh man, like this is, you know, and it makes sense. Yeah. Like he, of course he'd be into comic books and this is something he would want. And, and that whole bidding war that ends up happening with him and, and, and Kyle for the, you know, the other guy. And, oh my God, the Karen, like the organizer, Mrs. Doyle was just like, oh, the oh, second yeah. she pop, like, just like, I shriveled away. I was mm-hmm. like, oh man, not, not that archetype that she, she played that really well. That was, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Also, Casey at one point is on the phone about an audition and then talks to Henry and just says exactly the thing is like, you know, it's a decision that might validate like every decision I've made for the past four years or it totally invalidate everything and I should just give up. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. Casey, just say, say the thing. Don't just say that to people. That's rude. Yeah, just drop it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that too, that her saying that also includes like her decision to leave mm-hmm. at the end of season one, you know? Right. So it's like, almost like, like the, the fact that she trusts him enough to, to have him be able to, you know, think about this, this, this question, this, this idea without getting his personal feelings involved and be like, no, your decisions are obviously terrible because you chose to take this gig instead of staying with me. You know, like, like, even though he's, you know, heard about it, like, knowing that she made that decision as a way of moving her career forward and that that's led here and that, you know, it was, it was a sacrifice she made too. So it's like, if you can feel like, all right, I made this sacrifice, but it led to this thing and I should have done that thing. Or like, yeah, like if you don't get the gig, then it's like, oh, I left Henry, you know, for nine months to do this one thing, but it eventually led to nothing. So I, I maybe I shouldn't have done that. And, you know, so I love, I love how complicated that is both with, you know, her own, yeah, like tracking her decisions throughout her own life, but actually how it affected Henry personal. and yeah. the fact that he's, yeah, like he's kind of like, you know, you're not like this outside party. Like I was involved intimately in one of those decisions, but, you know, like, you know, being a friend and being like, this is, you know, this is how I should approach this and not be like spiteful and angry. And is that when I actually have hug over the bus bin? Is that when this takes place? Like where, where he says, I can't remember exactly, but I remember that was a really sweet moment where she like leans over to like hug him. And it was just like, you know, to see that, like, you know, this, this awkward connection between the two of them, but like that they were, you know, there's still something there. There were still embers, you know, there's just so many things. Sorry. It's just, just jk on the phone I, sorry i don't want to get to it yet but it's, it's like at least yeah. look at me when you're fucking me i guess that's that's the organizer <laughs> or the uh the uh, person who's hosting it at her house right i think she's the one that says that about the um uh tom hanks thing yeah oh yeah <laughs> and okay also the acting in here so it's it's you you learn that both kyle and henry are like henry's an incredible actor which we'll find out in later episodes as well. But like Kyle fakes out Roman and makes Roman feel like mm-hmm. an ass. And it's so satisfying. <laughs> and it's also cool to see like kids got, got the chops. Like it, it's good. And I, yeah. th- that relationship, yeah. I think we're getting to know Roman more. He's slowly becoming a better person. Very, very, very slowly. Yeah. But he is. But um, <laughs> also freaking Rod is sad and drunk and sad and he's talking about eddie money versus eddie murphy in trading places i'm dad i cried you're eddie murphy. Oh, yeah. like, he's henry's like none of those people are in that movie. <laughs> he's like eddie money for <laughs> sure is not in that movie <laughs> have you, have oh, you I seen love trading places movie. i love trading places yeah who's been kidding. putting yeah. out the coals on my flow <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Mary Chris, he's got <laughs> Dad Aykroyd plays a really dirty Santa, and he has this. The oh, he's eating the turkey, turkey through, through his the beard, beard yeah. in the gutter. Uh. Oh. <laughs> Great movie, Trading Place, <laughs> circa like seventy eight. That's an early, early movie. Well, one of one of my favorite moments too is like the like how how sad it was too when when J.K. Simmons is like, "You'll never work in this town again," and he's like. I know. I know. Like just, 
like not hurt at all by that that statement just like like yeah like i think it just shows like how much he's actually given up like it wasn't like oh man i was thinking about it It was just like yeah it wasn't even needling like yeah not not threatened by that at all you know that was already that decision was already made that's not a decision that was made here you know like that's so much sadder yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i'm i'm going to quote in full a, a line here. I don't know how much of it will make it into the actual episodes, listeners, <laughs> but like stars, stars wrote this, so stars, stars would want it documented. <laughs> Tell that <laughs> prick, two hit shows in five years is enough to get most guys fired. You must be really sucking the shit out of Mickey's little rodent over there at mouse schwitz tim he <laughs> says the word mouse schwitz at the end of the i this this is the most outlandish thing i have ever heard in my life i'm like shaking what is this joke mouse schwitz can you do that i don't know where the i I, 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 help me, Tim. Help me. Did th- that's what I. That's the joke. Again, <laughs> yeah, like, like, what year did this come out? Like, you know, it, it was much before the time when people would just like run to social media. You know, if one wrong person hears this, goes to social media, and is like, "We need to cancel J.K. Simmons. We need to cancel." You know, everyone involved in the show. You know, like, like, you know, and and there is that that sense of like when you when you have a character who's supposed to be a shitty person saying shitty things, right? Like, and I think this is the thing too, like in, in normal stuff, we don't think about things like in terms of heroes and villains, right? But like when villains do shitty things, you're like, yeah, they're the villain. Of course they're doing and saying shitty things. But when we have like a regular story where there aren't clear cut lines like that, it's like, oh my God, this person said that. And it's like, yeah, they're they're a villain. Like, of course they said, you know, like like Cartman, like Roman, you know, like like all those type of characters, like they're, they're there to say the shitty stuff so that we can point them and, and be like this is a shitty person who says shitty things you know it's just and, so funny like after you know, the last episode we talked about him in it whereas you were like there's like a mad libs grammar to what he does right. and yeah. then he just flips the script with the first thing he says and it's just it's so much tim just like and then he follows it up the follow-up gets me too he's like Tell him to bring knee pads and an appetite for man juice. <laughs> we are fucking farmers. Bump a bump a bump a bump. <laughs> I I was dying. And I was like, did I like the second season? Because after the first episode, I'm not I wasn't like dying laughing. It's not not the same energy. And then JK just comes in here with that. I I I laughed and then I tucked it at myself and then I laughed again because it's it's not okay. <laughs> like, that mouse has a family. <laughs> well, and which is weird because I feel like that that's almost more relevant today. Like I feel like that's definitely, you know, there are some people who are definitely upset about the fact that like Disney is buying everything and then deciding what people can and can't do. And, you know, the idea of like this indirect censorship, because it's like, Oh, if we want to export this film to other places, but those people won't play certain things, we're going to leave those things out of our films and and products. So, so essentially we're letting other countries censor what we're doing. There, there are a bunch of people who, you know, I think do feel that way about, about, you know, the Mouseville, you know, so it's like, you know, I just had never heard it quite put that way before. <laughs> I don't know why it didn't leave a bit. I think I was just shocked the first time yeah. I saw it. I must have just not, <laughs> not remember. I blocked it from my memory, but this time yeah. I was taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped it. I had to rewind it back a couple times. It's like to get the specificity of that line <laughs> and the, the venom with which it is delivered is one of the most. I don't know what the word is for what it was. (laughs) Well, it's funny too, how you keep bringing up like the whole farmers thing where it's like, yeah, like how did they watch this role and be like, yeah, you're the guy I could see how, and I forget which came first. Like, did he do, did he do JJ Jameson first or was this first? 
Oh no, Jameson must have been first because this was like yeah. 2009. Did we say 2010 somewhere around there? It's like Spider-Man with yeah. So yeah, so been like Jameson I definitely before. see more of that through line where it's like oh yeah, you know, after you're playing J. Jonah Jameson like coming in and doing this, it's like yeah, of course this is just Jameson up a notch, you know, like <laughs> all the stuff Jameson wishes he could say. <laughs> <laughs> this is a double shot of Jameson. <laughs> That's what I want to see. I want to see like someone like like merge these two together where it's like a shot of him on the phone and then like peter parker there like he's waiting to drop off pictures and like james screaming at someone on the phone saying the saying this stuff and he's like oh man and then he's looking at peter's pictures and like saying shit to him like you know like that type of stuff about the the pictures and i wanted to be that uh, this character on the phone with jay joe to jameson oh, and them just going back and forth oh god that that would never end it would never end <laughs> Talk about a, a unstoppable force meeting an immovable object. <laughs> okay, so I think we should we should move on to uh, episode three, uh, Nick DeSinto's Orgy Night, starring <laughs> the impeccable Thomas Lennon. Just so good. I love. I love. I love. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love, I love, I love the you know bringing in you know again like I like I mentioned before like anytime we see kind of other people from the state working their way in and there's you know there's another actress who comes in in a later episode from the state also and just that kind of sense of like you know kind of pulling from like okay all of these people what's all this you know the people they've been in episodes with before and pulling them in and that sort of like you know almost um, I don't want to say incestuous but you know like yeah we're just yeah. like you're using that same crew over and over again or different variations of it so it's it's it, it's fun to see that and like you know people who you're used to seeing kind of interact in a different way and now they're you know in completely different roles but this is such and, a great premise he's like the perfect guy he's the right height oh, and yeah. the right yeah. like body fat index to be this mm -hmm. guy like it, it's just such yeah and the right level of like uptightness i feel like yeah, yeah like he has this kind of pent up feeling about him all the time, you know, <laughs> and expect like the expectation. He's like, Oh, I was so convinced it would be better on the outside. And this is what it ought to be. And it's not, nah. <laughs> or he's not, not found the, the confidence or the people. <laughs> he's not done any, found. just a cold start orgy also is the kind of, the thing is mm -hmm. really funny to me is like, these are his coworkers and shit. Like, who did he did he put it out on? I mean, we got an invitation, so he went to Kinko's. It's like I would like thirty of these, please, to my closest friends and family. <laughs> and I feel like getting the invitation. You're like, I mean, he's going through it. She left him. Like, yeah. Well, and, and that's another, you know, again, another another through line for this is the comparison to The Office. This has like the Robert California vibes. Oh, hell yeah. When, you know, when he's having the <laughs> office people and it's like so awkward because he just wants to have an orgy and everyone else is just trying to be like chill and have a regular ass good time. You know, and again, yeah, just divorce, same sort of thing. <laughs> when Ryan and Gabe are still dancing after he's fallen asleep and they have that moment where Ryan's like, hey, let, let's go to, we can, we can stop. He's no longer looking. Show, and then Gabe is like, so leave. I was yeah. like, this is a different level of totery. And it just is so, sorry. <laughs> I flashed right. I love that episode so much. Like those later seasons get kind of rough, but that one I just hang on to. Mm -hmm. At one point, Oscar, I'm sorry, listeners, this is just a deviation <laughs> for me. But at one point, Oscar, these are uh, California is talking about sewing two bears together to make a single rug. And it's like a waste of two bears. And Oscar goes to both these bears. <laughs> <laughs> to both these bears. Or I guess Jim starts it, but then Oscar yeah. insists on it the second time anyway <laughs> but I, I love too that like he kind of has like roman type energy in this where it's uh -huh. like you know kind of and, and there is even a part later in the episode where he said he you know criticizes the people for having hang-ups just like roman's talking about in the, the earlier porn yep. star episode uh -huh. and you know that idea of like thinking that just like oh without hang-ups people would just have sex with everybody and not care like like you know like like the idea of of taste and actual attraction and preference you know between like you know, yeah, I don't actually want to have sex with this person. It's not a hang up. I just not interested in you know. The correct conditions have to arrive, as we learned in the, 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 
Well, and, and that's what I love about it too, is that like, for some reason, Roman finds himself in his element, you know, like probably this idea of like, he said, yeah. oh, I read a lot on the topic. Uh-huh. So it's like, uh-huh. you know, again, like, I, I feel like if, you know, it, it almost reminds me too, of people who, who try to like, play therapist to other people. And it's like, oh, I don't have my shit figured out, but I see that you have a problem and I'm going to tell you how to fix it. You know, it's like, why, why don't you, you know, it's, I feel like in that sense, for some reason, Roman can tell someone else how to do it, but he can't sort of fix it within his own life to, to, to do the things to make it happen, you know? And, um, and, and yeah, so I, I really like that, how he all of a sudden becomes this like sage, you know, to this other guy, you know, but like, but through nothing that he's actually done in his own life, just like right. through reading and kind of seeing things play out and, um, and, uh, oh, so yeah. So another, another funny thing I saw come up that was like a reference to, uh, earlier episodes at one point, like I, the, the guy mentions how he works in estate law, which is what I think the job of the guy in the very, in season one, like when he's talking about switching places with Henry, he's like, you know anything about estate law. So it's like mm-hmm. funny that like, that's like the go-to job of like people with nice houses who, you know, are, have all this stuff, but they're still kind of unhappy with their lives. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I do estate law. Like, or maybe that's just a big thing in California. It's like, if you're not trying to be an actor, you're in estate law. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, but I thought that was interesting. They had the same job. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I, I wonder if it's like a search and replace. It's like when we want something that sounds like an adult with, a, with <laughs> an income, they're in yeah. estate law. <laughs> yeah. like, Ryan always said to tell girls that you work in finance. I I love how casually and how seriously Tom or Lennon uh, delivers the stay out of the room. Oh like yeah, he just says it so. And I don't I probably shouldn't have to say this, but I will stay out of the room. <laughs> You're like, what is happening? What is this event? And it's so creepy. Oh yeah, and and this is the one too, right? Where where I think. Yeah, not not where um, Kyle pretends that he's kind of breaking. Like Kyle actually finally like has a moment of crisis where he kind of d- starts to doubt himself. Yeah. As he talks to that other woman. I think it's it's interesting too that like, I, I mean, you know, we, we know Kyle and by now and that he can kind of talk to to women and be flirty, but he knows how to be super casual and conversational about it. So you never really know when he's talking to this woman. Like, is he actually just having a conversation or is he trying to subtly hit on her and get it? But like. But like, it seems like, you know, the fact that he seems like super chill, I think even when she's topless, he's still just like having a normal ass conversation with her. So again, like, I'm not sure if that's just him actually hitting on her and that's just his way, or if he's just really trying to be like, Hey, I know you We're both trying to make it. We're both doing things and just being optimistic and how, how much she like shuts him down as a person, like not just like, Oh, stop hitting on me, but just like, you know, thinking that everything he's been doing is a joke and that he's not going to make it and that we like, really see him have his first moment of doubt and oddly enough it's like roman who has to like talk him back up you know and he does he does a good job of it too it's actually a really generous thing like i think we're all gonna make it it takes him so long he drags it out of him but he does say like no i think you're gonna make it you're gonna make it we're all gonna make it and it was it's such a hopeful vulnerable moment and i think it only it pays off so well because he's such a kicker too it's like slowly we're kind of unpeeling him Something about Kyle in that episode is like you kind of get how how out there he has, he has to be like kind of putting himself out there yeah. in all of these interactions. And it kind of in this season, it really focuses in you can kind of see him doing that more mm-hmm. and like how it doesn't always work. And it's I feel like you kind of see how much Constance had an yeah. impact on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was His just thinking positivity that, yeah. and how he would. He would flip things. It's like, well, there, you just got to keep doing it. You just keep mm-hmm. swimming in a certain sense. And it, it's it's really kind of sweet to see how how much of an impact that had on him. And like, that's one season of that kind of growth. And it, that's the thing. It's a quieter second season. I'm really thinking like that is the mm-hmm. thing about it is we're getting more into the characters. And yeah. Kyle Kyle becomes more more nuanced because you you see that he has that surface thing that affability, and you kind of see him and Roman teaming up more, and that's like them more in sync and more like meeting each other more halfway, which is really kind of yeah. cool to see. They almost have this like Superman Batman relationship kind of. Yeah. Thing. It's like <laughs> they start to almost like complement each other, you know? Where, yeah. 
one of them on their own is like the worst, but when they're together, they, they, they end up like balancing each other out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And then th- this one, we have another Ron and uh, Henry moment. I think they're sitting on the curb and like smoking weed together. And the, there's like, you get, again, they were friends. They enjoyed yeah. working together. And that dynamic is now coming back because nobody's putting this rigid hierarchy in between them, Ron. Yeah. Like, and, and I love, yeah, this is where we get to hear a little bit about Henry's relationship with Uda too. Yeah. <laughs> no. yes, I understand. yes i understand <laughs> it's such a genuine i like i i love that from henry that's the other thing is like it's cool that he has that because before he, he had casey as kind of or as one interaction kind of like that and it's cool to see him get get to have that you know mm-hmm and then him and casey reconnect in this ep- episode as well like they finally kind of get more on the same footing and doing shtick which is cool mm-hmm. all right um oh and i i love who too that at the end of this episode kyle like when he he talks to that woman again that actress and he says don't stop believing which was like the again another callback from the season finale where like henry's got to say something to ron to get him motivated it's like yeah don't stop believing you know <laughs> so i love that it's just kind of like okay this is just going to become the go-to kind of stay positive like just keep going you know <laughs> and just like all like lydia is just so unfazed by everything she just kind of takes everything like i just i just i don't remember the context but just really fun oh, oh the no, cord. She's like, like she's just trying to make it work oh that's what i was going to say is like she's like i see a middle-aged man who needs <laughs> somebody such, yeah yeah like it, it was really interesting to see that dynamic of like Oh, this is—he's a mess, but it's like I know how to clean that mess, like yeah. that—that's predictable and manageable, and I, like mm-hmm. I see a nice house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for me and my daughter to come stay in, yeah. and it doesn't—it yeah. doesn't seem mercenary. It, it seems like re- realistic, and you kind of mm-hmm. see like what her her skills are, and like what, what like that because she's kind of moony about that. Like she just kind of goes through everything, kind of like smiling at it. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to see that she's also kind of like got an angle too on a in a certain way and so mm-hmm. that's cool i <laughs> i hope people are enjoying listening to this because i like this is a really good show i think it's really rich and it has all these <laughs> things like i but that's why we're doing it that's why we're counting down yeah um so episode four is the james ellison funeral <laughs> <laughs> This is a bold choice. Um, and I think what they did was they took, you know, all of the microaggressive racial tension of all of season one, and we'll get it all out in one episode. <laughs> Roman, seriously, I, I don't know how linear we want to be with this episode, but Roman, seriously, is well actually. The phrase jungle fever to a grieving daughter. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, and I, I, what I love about this scene is how well they encapsulate like that idea of, you know, like, like nowadays, I think we're much more well-versed in the idea of like, you know, it's not good enough to say, I don't see race, you know, how that's like a privileged point right. of view. Like, it's only people who, who aren't affected by their race you know and have to live life in a different way because of their race you know we'll say that and again like this is this is taking the the person who is you know to some degree quote unquote a villain and kind of putting these type of words in their mouth and it's like making you examine if it's like if you've ever said something like that that in roman saying it you probably have a problem with with you know that you should kind of work out you know like and and I think I think it was because again, like this came out like a while ago, and I think you know it's only relatively recent that I've kind of you know again, like I feel like social media helps all of this, where it's just like everything's right there all the time and updated instantly. But but yeah, that idea that like that's not like a cool point of view to have, where it's like oh, I'm post racial, you know, I don't like that's that's what I wrote the post racial yeah. idea, like, mm. like I'm so evolved that I've moved past thinking about race, therefore I can say shitty and racist things because i'm not being a racist you know i think he even says that too it's like oh you know like like it, what does he say um it's um 
Uh, so, oh, it's it's semantics. I'm not being racist. You know that he he to him he gets to decide that he's not being racist regardless of what he says because he's post racial, and I feel like you know like again this is back in like what 2009 2010 you know to kind of put that under scrutiny and say like yeah like we we know Roman is shitty like you know again we're starting to see him develop into a person how he relates to other people and being more like empathetic but when he's still like oh here's an idea that i have locked in my head that i've thought about you know in a bubble and i think it's right and it's the way to think and and you know whatever and present myself to the world and it's just like no man like you know and and yeah to put it in that situation where this is the worst possible time you could say these things you know but like but yeah they're they're i mean they're wrong all the time but like again like having roman say those things as a way of being like you know you you should not be saying these things if you are saying these things you need to re-examine your life <laughs> you know and like th there's something really effective to the the frequency of of the because he's saying so many things in such rapid succession they're all shocking and they're like it, it it really amplifies them and i think in a way like microaggression by definition is something that see, like seems offhanded seems small but you they add up and that is the problem and what this episode does such a great job of doing is amplifying every little one of those by putting them one after each other yeah. And that the impact and the tension and the awkwardness, the cringe of that is really effective. And it, it, it's it's well, it it's it's also like the doubling down, you know, it's yeah. not like, oh, I said something that could be a microaggression right. and someone called me on it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, shit, I'm sorry I said that I shouldn't have said that. You know, it's like, oh, let me respond with another micro. So it's yeah, it's, it's the fact that they're in rapid succession, but it's the fact that they're coming that way. Because yeah, like because he's doubling down, because he's not realizing and having that sort of synth of inner monologue of like, ooh, I said something that I've had the thought in my head, but I've never actually said it out loud before. Now that I do, I shouldn't say it out loud ever again and probably should stop thinking of it also. You know, instead it's just like, yeah, no, this is this is great. I'm I'm dropping truth bombs on you, you know, like that that kind of thing. Yeah. It it's and it's really interesting too, because like they're playing two tension games throughout the whole episode. It's that mm -hmm. dynamic. And then also that the the mistress, the other woman with the kids shows up. Mm -hmm. And all of, it's really interesting, like, like all of the tension in the racial situation is amplified and contributed to by Roman just continuing. And the other side, like it's all the, the tension on the other side comes from uh Casey and uh uh Henry thinking that they have a traditional marriage. So and then it all kind of evaporates. And it's really interesting the tension between those two dynamics and those two sources sources of tension in the episode, because like what how that release it's like a really clever release because you could kind of like oh at least that's that's okay like it mm -hmm. gives you yeah. kind of that that breath of fresh air to to kind of like I don't know like it it, it has really sophisticated tone manipulation in it, mm -hmm. which is really. I, interesting. I, I also think a part of that too, in a different way, was the whole like you know, I have the notes. Kyle wants to learn the blues, you know, like that, <laughs> that whole thing of like you know it's it it you know it's fun to see you know it, and and I feel like with Kyle too, like Kyle has this very optimistic, which doesn't you know it doesn't always make him right, but at least he's coming at things from a place of this you know this sort of optimism and sometimes blissfully ignorance whereas like with roman it's more just like i know better than anyone so i'm gonna say whatever the fuck i want you know and you know whatever it's fine you know but like you know i i like that we see this sort of sense of appreciation that he has you know it's like i want to learn the blues even though it's kind of like well yeah like you're you're missing the integral part about the blues and this is you know and but like like how I, I love how the guy is just like, all right, I'm going to fuck with him, you know? And so we get kind of that, that other end of it where it's like, okay, at least, you know, there's, there's, there's some bit of, you know, and again, as the, you know, the yin and yang of Roman and Kyle, you know, yeah. while, while Roman's this taking this whole stance, like Kyle is like actively kind of subverting himself to, to learn, you know, to, to his wishes. And, and I love too, that by the end of it, like, like he's not pissed that this guy was just not at all. Like he he chose to see it in a way that he actually learned something, you know, and like like it, it makes him like more likable. Like it makes him, you know, it's it's kind of like you know he's bumbling through this thing, 
but like you know he was he was you know like trying to learn something and even if it was just like yeah i know you're just <laughs> with me but i still learned something you know and that's and then when yeah, that's when constant, <laughs> you know like that that's constants yeah. too like that's yeah. i get that's another note i had for this one is just like him him see the 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 thought experiment of like for, like when she was having that whole backstory for her character she's just living in it and playing with it and just accepting it and it was <laughs> just cool to see that he's he's like that too and it's kind of unfaffable in a really charming way you know like that's that's really cool um, and I like the this is, again another office reference when when him and Ron are singing the blues was the whole like Daryl and Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote like, that down too. <laughs> I love that the guy like ain't got no belt. Like that was his thing. Ain't like, okay, no I'm bill. gonna take this. You know, like, yes, he took my belt. I have no belt. Okay, like, how am I? This is this is the blues somehow. Me not oh. having a belt. He's like trying to work those things in together. And I also love when when, when Kyle and uh, um uh Ron work out like harmonies, like, oh, I go low, you <laughs> I go, go low, high. you go high. Exactly. <laughs> I go low, you go high. <laughs> Oh, so good <laughs> it's crazy also like because we get that that dynamic of power shift where ron is is on the team not the team leader like he's funny mm -hmm. in a different way like he gets to come at the character in this different way and it's really funny yeah. like he just kind of them playing around with that the harmonizing was really fun like to yeah. see <laughs> It's like you were fun when you weren't being an ass. <laughs> oh, and then the 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 second second woman oh, <laughs> with yeah. the second second child. I love to yeah, like after we get you know get the 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 wife kind of admitting and being chill, like oh yeah, I always knew he had a mistress. I didn't know who she was, and you know just like how how calm she is, and like you know like oh okay like. And then you're kind of like, oh, that's not so bad. He had a, a mistress. And you're like, oh, no, he had two mistresses. <laughs> and he had, you know, he was, he was, you know, <laughs> I like, like on, on a Fight Club, the party's like, we're setting up franchises. <laughs> Dad would just have families all over the place. <laughs> it's such a specific reference. I love that so much. <laughs> that's how much, that's how well I know that movie. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's an interesting dynamic too, is because, it's like what is because the most insulted person, the most kind of traumatized person is is the daughter. But it's also mm -hmm. like, did you want your parents to tell you this was the dynamic? Like what what is their responsibility to you to let you know that like this was I like it just was an interesting kind of really kind of early, like 2009 for that that kind of like to to have polyamory be a plot point, but not a a, a like the villain plot just like, kind of like oh right. cool just kind of there matter of fact not the reason <laughs> for the season but there just i thought it was interesting well especially after she had given the whole like the whole talk about the crock pot yeah know? and it's like you're thinking that like oh like yeah like she totally relied on this this slow simmer <laughs> of a relationship but it's like she forgot the other half that it's like yeah you have the, the crock pot and then you have like the mcdonald's fast food <laughs> you know like like you, you're gonna have them both you know <laughs> oh and then the just the ron in the casket joke to, to like reminded me of bob's burgers where he's in there and the kids oh, load yeah. him into the <laughs> but like don't open the bottom <laughs> i love too that like henry calls him out when he's like oh i saw everything i saw he's like oh when you were stoned locked in a coffin like you know, like, oh, what a surprise. Someone on drugs had this, uh, you know, this epiphany about life and blah, blah, blah. And like how unfazed and like, you know, like Henry is by that. Like, I thought that was funny, too, because I feel like that's, you know, I've, I've I've kind of been on that end a little bit, you know, where it's like, you know, the few times I have and it's like, oh, man, this cool thing happened. But it's just like, well, if you're on drugs, like how real is that thing you experienced? Or they have the a very <laughs> short half-life too. Like that's the, th like it, it, it's like, Oh, I have all this energy is like, Oh, that was because yeah. you put chemicals in there. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just like, what a horrifying concept, you know, to be mm -hmm. like claustrophobic, dark and in like the physical representation of, the the greatest fear humanity has is that we don't know what's on the other side of that pillow <laughs> like just 
terrifying. <laughs> anyway, on that note, we were getting to the final episode discussed on this episode of Countdown to Party Down, episode five. Oh, I love this one so much. Steve yeah, Gutenberg's birthday. And we are introduced to New New Ron. <laughs> and a just a ridiculous re- rebirth of New New Ron. <laughs> And Steve Gutenberg. I want to, to be held by Steve Gutenberg. Like, I just want to hug you, this man. He's so warm and so yeah. gracious and generous in this. I, it just makes me happy, this episode. Well, and that's, that's what, I, what I love about this, how when we first see him, like, we don't know who he is. I mean, this right. is, like, yes, this place takes place in L.A., but it's also, like, people playing characters. So he pulls up. And you're like, oh, you might go, oh, that's Steve Gutenberg. Oh, you, you know, he's like when we see, you know, J.K. Simmons, he's not playing J.K. Simmons, you right. know. So it's like you see, oh, who, you know, who is this character? And it's like, it's actually Steve Gutenberg. Like, holy shit. Like it adds this like extra like meta layer to it. And and yeah, like he's he's like the same guy. Like I remember seeing him in, in like Police Academy and Short Circuit and Three Men and a Baby, like, from, from when I was a kid, it's, like, that same, like, smiley, like, you know, like, like, super optimistic, super nice, like, you know, just kind of, like, you know, in, uh, you know, I would, I would think that it's, like, yeah, like, this is one of those actors who got famous and rich, but did it right, you know, like, use that wealth to kind of enjoy their life, not just to be, like, I need to do so many drugs that I'm killing my body, you know, like, just so, like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, just, I, I, I wanted to be, in his house in that episode hanging out and or you know it's it's also a model for like if i ever do grow up to be famous that's the kind of famous person i want to be you right. know where i have this house and you know and it's like oh hey yeah like call your friends over we'll have a party for my birthday at my house might as well we have all this food in your here like whatever you know like just just so fun and so like you know so so optimistic towards everybody else and positive and like so great <laughs> oh uh, just sorry we haven't talked about it before but like henry keeps bringing up the fact that his apartment has a view of the taco bell and oh, yeah. it's one of my favorite lines <laughs> yep. uh, this comes back oh the we get to see henry be an amazing actor in this episode yes. like this is such a a, a, a it's just, like the the creatives get to be creative this episode and mm. it's like so cool to watch and it, it like I love the subplot of like Casey discovering this indie movie and sneaking away to watch it and being like, mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you must be in pain because you were good at this and like must have enjoyed it and felt the thing that I feel doing my thing. I, I just, I love that vehicle for that development in that relationship. I think yeah. that was so cool. I mean, also like, no kidding i love that a movie plays a really big role in a romance <laughs> like <laughs> well and, and i love how there's like there's like the one two punch of it too right because she watches the movie and then gets to act in a scene with him right, like right after that and it's just kind of like you and know he the, acts the, the shit out of that schlock yeah. like he, he that was he's great well and i love and, and yeah and leading up to that too like from that that writer perspective i love that like when Roman and his friend McLovin, you know, when they're, they're kind of doing their thing and how, how, you know, Steve Gutenberg, like, even though they're acting like these, and that's another thing I feel like, well, this comes up in a later episode, but like, like how they're writers and they're so shitty about uh, actors, like, oh, actors are fucking hacks and they're terrible. It's like, if you're writing a screenplay, who are you expecting to act th- these roles in your, in your screenplays? Like, and how, you know, Steve Gutenberg kind of makes them realize that, like you're writing for people, like you've got to connect with these people who are going to be reading that. Have you ever heard your words read aloud? Like, I love that he adds that dimension, you know, and, and again, it's Roman in general. He's just so stuck in his own head he thinks he's smarter than everybody and the best conversation he's ever going to have is the conversation within his own mind and it pulls him out of that and like how he's talking about yeah courage no risk no reward like how scared roman is about and uncomfortable and he just like he pushes it but he's not he's not being a dick he's trying to help him grow as an artist and he just pushes for it and like everybody's doing it and getting all excited about it and the part and I that love slays that. I love me. how bad it is the first time, you know. Yeah, like, it's just at the end. It slays me that he's like, "Why didn't I ever think to rewrite it?" Like, I that like I 
I watched this pretty late and I, like I started to learn that, but it, it was just like putting it out there is like, yeah, that you didn't think to rewrite any of it. Like how, how silly that sounds and how, how, how specific to the, the, the nature of the thing you want to do. It has to be, you have to get good at that, that that's its own skill. And it, it was just, it was so cool to see that come out of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like they say the whatever the percentage is, but like, you know, 5% inspiration, 99% perspiration or whatever that is. But like, yeah, if you're not rewriting, you're just, this is only 5% of what it could be. You know, you're stopping after the inspiration and not doing any of the work, you know, like, and assuming that like, oh, the, the, the way the thoughts rolled out of my head is the best version of what that could possibly be. Like, no, like you're, you're dead wrong. Like, you know, and, and it's, yeah. So it was great to see him go on that journey and like, and, and actually like acknowledge that it worked, you know, like that you was, that's what I was really surprising. Yeah. He, you can see the excitement and the create, like that, that's the thing. There's the creative in there. And he's mm-hmm. like, we don't see that. We just see the kind of shitty, like he's done all of that behind closed doors. He's not, mm-hmm. all of his walls are up and he finally kind of see like, and it's really sweet because when he's like uncomfortable and doesn't want to do it, he's almost like really respectful to gutenberg he's like mr gutenberg like he he like last names him so it's like a really really vulnerable place for him and i think that's so important and like it it pays off like this is this is multi-season storytelling like i can't even imagine what season three is going to be like like as like it's going to be incredible like i if they can thread the needle and like i'm excited to see if they can like it's a great show. I'm going to watch whatever, whatever version of it, but it's just, it, I, it's really rich. Like, and, and, and it's already in conversation with itself. You know, the differences between season one and season two are yeah. really, really it, striking. It also really helps to binge watch it because I feel like if you yeah. were to watch it over time, you would forget about a bunch of the lives in one episode and you wouldn't catch it when it back later. Like the, like the state law thing, like how random yeah. is that? Like you know, I didn't catch that the first time I saw this and it's between, you know, like episode one of season one and then like season three or four, you know, but it's like, you know, again, I had watched season one recently enough that like, Oh, that, that stuck out. That stood out to me. Like I caught that, you know, and, you know, and other stuff like that and kind of looking like more, you know, more actively following like Roman's growth. You know, I feel like, yeah, you kind of see him as fitting. If you're kind of watching episode by episode, you're kind of, you know, it's, it's like the whole, you know, heating up a frog in, in water versus throwing it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. when you're binging it, you're seeing boom, 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 like all these hits of like Roman, just like climbing these stairs in a lot yeah. of ways, you know, um, not always, but in a lot of ways, <laughs> he's still a little shitty, so in a lot of ways, but like, but yeah, like, you know, you you definitely notice it more and, and all these other things. It's just it, like I had written down the, uh, you don't know, do you, do you understand what AA is for? <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody kind of gets gets to shine in this, but like Ron creates his own hell by putting shrimp in the fucking <laughs> iceberg sculpture. And he calls... <laughs> He calls his sponsor from AA to come help him unclog the drain. <laughs> <laughs> awful, awful. <laughs> and then he called. He's like, "Oh, he called you to help with the drain." It's like, no, <laughs> you've made the man relapse. Feel that. Feel bad about that. Well, I thought it was. It was. It was weird too. Like I, I um, you know, seeing that like with with Ron. And I, I I don't want to talk a lot about this because like I don't have much experience, but like when he makes the distinction between like himself and A, where like there's almost like a switch, like once he kind of gets like, oh yeah, like I'm I'm gonna you know be the, be the new manager now, like I don't I don't need alcohol anymore. And he just kind of like turns it off and he kind of goes like back to being just like like instant, you know, like with the other guys kind of like being around the alcohol. It was like this big temptation. Whereas with Ron, it was more like he was depressed and he was looking for alcohol to kind of numb that but like once he had something else to focus like oh i don't need alcohol anymore and just kind of like you know moved away and like i don't i got kicked out of aa but i'll be fine i have my job to focus on now Mm. one of my one of my other favorite parts about this is when like you know at the end and again this just encapsulates all of like steve gutenberg's like positivity and vibe when he i think he tells henry right like nine times out of ten if you've got the talent you break through yeah and i was just like 
huh. I like like that that hit me at my soul. It was just kind of like, you know, like like yeah, like not everybody makes it, but like to have someone who's made it and who's been through it and kind of seen people go through it, you know, and that you know, how many people who who do make it, you know, it's because they kind of stuck it out, you know, right? Like, you know, like you a lot of people that you know, you don't make it instantly all the time, you know, and there are plenty of people who, you know, you know, and there are plenty of hacks who don't make it, you know, because they're not good, you know, but, um, you know, which, you know, so, so that was, you know, again, one of the things I love about this show is kind of going on Henry's journey with him, you know, because I've, I've, I've been there and I am there and, and, you know, even where he is with this show, it's not like, you know, as, as, as far as we've seen yet, he doesn't like make it big within the context of season one and two. So it's not about him arriving. It's about like whether he's kind of still trying and or give, actually given up and everything like that. Um, and it was just, it was just so cool. It was just like such a, a cool sentiment. And, you know, again, there's no specific advice there, you know, like what do I do to break through? But you know, that it's, you know, and I guess he also could be completely wrong. It could just be that he's a, an optimistic person where it's like, yeah, nine times out of 10 years. And I like how Ron, how, how I mean, um, uh, Henry's like, but what about the, t- well, see, uh, the other the 10th guy, you know, like, see, this is the saddest thing. And I think that that's such a big difference is when Henry says that Gutenberg doesn't have a reaction, mm-hmm. he can't even acknowledge it. And I right. think what's really interesting is that's where he stops. And I think what Steve sees is like, it's I'm fighting. The, the battle is over for this guy. Like he is just, he is that one guy. Like he's mm-hmm. going to be that one guy because he just, he, he doesn't have it. And he's not excited about it. He's not doing yeah. that thing anymore. And it's just really, it's like, it, it makes me, I love that sentiment about like it being nine times out of 10, but that, that little grace note at the end, the coda mm-hmm. of it is yeah. Henry isn't putting that out there and it, it sucks. Yeah. I think well, your video I, could come back on that. Okay. Looks pretty. And the, the other part of that too. And I think I, I think I quoted it. Cause I think I went back and like wrote it as he said it, but you know, he doesn't say if you've got the talent, you'll fall into it. Like right. you'll break through, you break know, it's through. like the chicken breaking out of the egg, like yeah. birth kind of has to be painful and you have to fight your way through it. And if Henry doesn't have the fight left in him, then he's not going to break through, you know? Right. So I think that's part of it too. And maybe, maybe he didn't, part of why he stops there is he didn't have the heart to tell him is like, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're worried about that one guy, instead of being like, I'm one of the nine who made it, you know, you know, then you've kind of already decided that you're not going to make it, you know, like, like what's that? I don't know if this is a new agey saying or just like a toxic positive statement or whatever, but it's like, whether you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. Right. You know, and I think Henry's at a point where he thinks he can't. So it's like, well, then you're not going to, you know, and that's kind of the thing is like, you know, the, yeah, the, the breaking through is implied that you have to make the effort, you know, but yeah, it's not that it'll be handed to you, you know, it's that you have to break through, but if you have the talent, you, you can, and you will, you know, well, on that note, I think that's the end of the uh, third episode of Countdown to Party Down. I'm still having fun yet. Are you having fun yet still? I've been and still and will always be having fun yet. We remain having fun yet. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye.